Did you think I had forgotten about you? It has been a long time since episode six. Sorry about that. Sometimes life gets in the way. Started a new job, working full time, so get a little difficult every now and then to get a podcast out. Uh, had several matches that we're going to talk about. We're going to do a, a basically a regular season review. Talk about all ten of our regular season matches. Give a little preview of the playoffs. Get you familiar with the format for the playoffs. And we've got a great interview lined up for you as well. We'll tag that on to the end of the podcast. So stick around, here is episode 7 of Gorilla Talk. So let's begin our regular season recap with a look at the table. Everybody in the South Atlantic Conference has played 10 games. Everybody is done with their season, their regular season. So let's talk about the playoffs because they're going to begin very, very soon here. First up, finishing top of the table, the Myrtle Beach Mutiny. They won 6 lost one. They had three ties. That's 21 points. They scored 23 and allowed only 10. Second best offense in the league and tied for the best uh, defense in the league allowing the fewest goals. We finished in second. We won five. Lost only one. Had four ties. They gave us 19 points. Just two points off of the lead. We still could have won the title past Saturday night, but it was not. We scored 17. Scored only 17, but then allowed 10. So again, stinky has been a hallmark for our club. Carolina Railhawks finished in third. They won four, lost four, and drew twice. That gives them 14 points. They had the best offense in the league, though, 24 goals. They allowed only 14, which is a pretty good total there. And the fourth-place team is Tobacco Road FC. They won only three of ten with four losses and three draws. That gave them 12 points, 16 goals, four, 22. Two goals against Carolina Discoveries and the Georgia Revolution. Propping up the bottom of the table, Revolution just the lone win. Get a couple of ties with seven losses. Uh, scored only 10 goals. Gave up 31 goals. So uh, they will be looking to improve on that next I hope. So let's go through briefly and talk about each match. We opened the season, the regular season, on Saturday, May 14th, out in Conyers. We played the Georgia Revolution and beat them 3-0. Good start for the season. Nice shutout. I recall Bryce had a couple of saves there. Very important stuff there. So, good start for the season. The next week, we played on Sunday, May 22nd, also on the road with a 1-1 draw against against Tobacco Road FC. The team ended up being fourth seed in the playoffs. That was on Sunday the 22nd. Tuesday the 24th, we went just down the road to play the Carolina Railhawks and beat them 1-0. So those two teams, Tobacco Road and Carolina Railhawks, uh, very close together so the league was scheduling things so that if a team traveled into the Raleigh area, they could play both of those teams within the space of a couple of days. Uh, saves a lot of money on travel there. 
So moving right along, we didn't play again until Saturday, June the 4th. And Saturday, June the 4th was our home opener. And unfortunately, it was spoiled by uh, those guys from Myrtle Beach. Our one loss of the season. That was Saturday, June 4th. Friday, the June the 10th, where we tried to get six points for Sarah, my daughter's birthday. Played the FC Carolina Discoveries and ended with a 2-2 draw. A couple days later, Sunday the 12th. Railhawks come to town, beat them two to one. So both both matches against Railhawks resulted in victories. Uh, then we on Saturday, June 18th, we hosted Quebec Road, beat them two to one. So we beat them both times. And moving right along, on Saturday, June 25th, the Georgia Revolution come to Silverbacks Park, and we built beat them two nil. Moving to the next to last match, last Thursday night's match where it was all to play for, we went to Myrtle Beach. And despite having a 2-0 lead, ended up drawing 2-2. A win would have put a stop at the table, and we would have controlled our own destiny going into Saturday night's match. But it wasn't meant to be. Myrtle Beach came back with a 2-2 draw. We had a 1-1 draw on Saturday the 2nd against FC Carolina Discoveries. And Myrtle Beach uh, had a rebounding Georgia Revolution that gave enough eight goals in their previous match. Uh, rebounded to give them a 1-1 draw, so both teams... Uh, settle for 1-1 draw. So the standings, as we talked about, Myrtle Beach in first, Atlanta in second, the Railhawks in third, Tobacco Road in fourth. Those are the four teams that will make playoffs, and we'll talk about the playoffs here in just a minute. A few individual statistics. Mora and Pedro Polez are our league scorers. Mora has five, Polez has four. Bryce Billington, who was on the Silverbacks roster last season when we were in, in ASL, has uh, played the majority of time and majority of the minutes in goal this season. And as we pointed out earlier, 10 goals allowed in the season. It's tied for being the best. So let's talk a little bit about the playoff structure. NTSL playoffs begin this Thursday. That's July 7th. Match 1 is the first seed, which is Myrtle Beach, hosting the fourth seed, which is Tobacco Road. At the same time, also on July 7th, we, the second seed, the Atlanta Silverbacks, will host the third seed, the Carolina Railhawks. And the winner of those two matches will play each other just a couple days later on July the 9th. So both of those happen really, really quickly. As it currently stands, our match is supposed to be at 3.30 on Thursday. I'm sure it's because of the scheduling conflicts with uh, the stadium uh, Thursday night at Old League Soccer's. Uh, so uh, we are actively campaigning to try to find another venue for that event, for that uh, playoff match, because 3.30 on Thursday means that there won't be anybody in the stands. Southeast Conference and the South Central Conference playoffs occur at the same time. They take a little bit longer to get through, but not much. They go through very, very quickly there. And once we have that on match day, match number 12, is according to the list of this, second round of the South region. The Sunshine Conference, those are all the teams in the state of Florida, will play the South Atlantic Conference champions. So the winner of that uh, July 9th match will play each other match 12, and that will occur on July 16th. The higher, the, the team that had the more points in the regular season get to host. Also on July 16th, the Southeast Conference champion, that's the uh, conference that will play the South Central Conference there. The Sunshine, oh, there's one little caveat there. The Sunshine Conference champion is determined by the team with the highest points per game average. 
years. They don't have any playoffs. They don't have any uh, playoffs there. So third round after that, the South Region Final, which will be July 23rd, the winner of match 12 versus the winner of match 13. So the winner of the Sunshine versus South Atlantic will play the winner of the Southeast versus South Central, and that will occur on July 23rd. And as it says here on the NPSL document, unless otherwise noted, team with a higher points per game average in the 2016 NPSL regular season will host. All seats will be assigned based on the team with the highest points per game average in the regular season. So that gets us to July 23rd. That's the South Region Final. There are four regions and the four regions national semifinals that will face each other on July 30th and July 31st. And then the NPSL National Championship game will be either August 6th or August 7th. That's the match last year that was the uh, Chattanooga FC hosting the New York Cosmos B that got 18,000 people up there to Chattanooga. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, Silverbacks can be the ones hosting in that or at least playing in that game. That would be a great experience for us for our first season here in the NFL. Next up, we're going to talk to Christian Franick. Christian is one of the founders of the United States Association Football Federation. Yes, a new federation. One that's going to get local clubs organized, small clubs organized, and have a greater voice. A wide-ranging conversation. He is also involved in Fan Ownership Alliance, a group uh, very close to what we are trying to accomplish here with Gorilla Talk with the ASFC Trust and making sure that we have a say in the running of our club. So here is that conversation. Well, welcome to Gorilla Talk, Christian. It's, it's, we're glad to have you here. I uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about a lot of different activities you are involved in. You're a part of a, a very long, wide-ranging conversation uh, on Twitter about promotion and relegation in the U.S., and I think you've come up with a couple of uh, unique potential solutions to our issues. So tell us a little bit about your involvement with this. Sure, absolutely. Um, it is completely a fan-based uh, movement currently. Um, the United States uh, Association Football, Inc. was um, founded, I guess, about a little more than a month ago by people who were frustrated with uh, the lack of of attention that uh, the the United States uh, Soccer Federation was uh, giving to, to many different areas of concern, um, certainly not the least of which was promotion and relegation, but also uh, fan ownership, also youth soccer, um, also, uh, uh, let's see, what were some other ones on, on the list that we provided? Um, also, um, independent clubs, uh, you know, many different things that are all involved, you know, interrelated, but um, also have their own separate uh, need for attention. So, so, so we founded, uh, so we um, organized the, the United States Association of Football, Inc., in the state of Illinois, which uh, for, for those who follow the USSF, um, their headquarters are in Chicago. So for that reason, um, one of the people who is listed as uh, the founding members on the um, on the filing is is there in Chicago. 
and we wanted we did that on purpose because we want um, the soccer federation to know that you know we're we're not we're not just some strange organization from some faraway place uh, with these pie in the sky ideas. We're we're there. We're local. We'll you know we'll we'll be watching and we'll be uh, getting staying involved, getting and staying involved. So uh, there were several that were on Twitter, and really this came out of uh, the whole promotion relegation uh, weekend or for several days that they had back in February, a room in what, uh, was it March or April? And it really motivated a lot of people to, to get more involved and more interested in the issues that are presented with soccer in America. So was able to find people with similar interests and um, who knew, knew that things needed to be done and, and wanted to do something uh, active to be actively involved in bringing about change. Uh, there's a lot of people on Twitter with a lot of great ideas. I think sometimes the hardest part is getting them to turn those ideas into action. So that was, that was a big part of what we are doing and uh, will continue to do. And we were able to put together a coalition of probably about eight people who were all interested in forming the organization, uh, incorporating, and then uh, making a list of ideas that we thought and issues that we thought needed attention. And what we are in the middle of doing right now is continuing to uh, kind of evolve those ideas and make them uh, clear and understandable and easily uh, easily um, understood by people who are involved in soccer now but also might be not that involved in soccer now but want to be. And um, once we have a well-formulated list of those ideas and issues, we want to provide proposals on how those issues could be resolved um, and then present all of that to the USSF and, and to Neil Galati and see what their response is. And then based on that response, we'll decide how to move forward. So let's, let's talk about uh, some of those specific issues. Uh, we've mentioned promotion and relegation. Uh, what are some of the other issues? You know, there, there was that the lawsuit that was announced. I think it was on Friday from the the youth clubs. Come, tell us a little bit about that. How how this organization intends to uh, help and promote that and and bring about that kind of change. Sure, absolutely. Well, one of the I think the first uh, issue that we have listed on our our list of issues, which I believe are at nine or ten now. And like I said, it continues to evolve, and we continue to get feedback and try to understand everybody's concerns from their different perspectives. But, uh, you know, that that filing of that lawsuit would seem to be in line with FIFA's established rules and bylaws, which say that um, any time uh, a player uh, move, matriculates through youth youth soccer into uh, semi-pro and professional soccer that um, a certain amount of the fee paid to the different groups as that player moves along should funnel down to the youth soccer clubs that were involved in uh, training and teaching and, and, and building that player into the marketable 
player that he is at a professional level. And apparently the United States is one of the few or might be the only one that doesn't uh, provide for the – that doesn't make it necessary that those payments happen. And uh, it appears – and again, you know, this is I, – I still need to read up on a lot of it, but it appears that um, – uh, the issue is that payments were, were never made. Some specific players, uh, such as Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley and um, DeAndre Yedlin, and uh, you know the club want and, and potentially need that money um, to grow their club and to further develop players uh, that are coming through the pipeline. And the thing that I think what is really one of the big issues here is that we have a lot of people in the United States that are disappointed with what is termed um, pay-to-play, where uh, players of a young age are asked, their parents are asked, to pay some pretty exorbitant amounts in most cases for them to be able to play at a level that's going to allow them move to move to the next level. And uh, in that process of of those clubs charging those those fees to be able to play on their teams, uh, a lot of potential is lost in the pipeline. And I think people are rightly frustrated with the level of play of the men's national team, and they're asking the hard questions now of, you know, why don't we do better, considering we're a nation of so many uh, people. We're, you know, pretty vast as far as territory, and we have all these potential uh, places and people who should be in the pipeline being developed and taking our our uh, national team to, to higher levels. And, and nobody feels like that's really being accomplished well at this point. Yeah, so the, uh, the MLS Players Union released a statement, I believe it was yesterday or it might have been this morning, I, I first saw it right. this morning, that yeah, was that. right in line with their usual arrogant – uh, misleading uh, statements uh, saying, you know, these youth clubs were supposedly non-profits. Um, I, I'm still not certain what uh, trying to increase your revenue has to do with your nonprofit status. I work for a couple of nonprofits and, and we're always trying right. to increase revenue. Uh, so right. that, that it, I think it, it's yeah. misleading for them to, to try to make that into a negative thing. Uh, they're, they're saying that these youth clubs are trying to exploit the system. Well, if you're, it, exploiting it that's what the rest of the world does how can that be considered exploiting uh stating that that if other clubs wouldn't be able to afford these youth players because now it's an added cost well then how do how do clubs all over the rest of the world how can they afford to do it it's just it, the arrogance and self-centeredness and, and just lack of awareness probably on purpose of the way things work in the rest of the world is what is just shocking that they they continue to think they can get away with that uh, I, I I agree with that. Um, I think that that was a poorly worded and and um, presented uh, response to the to the lawsuit. I think the release that I saw regarding the initial uh, notification of the lawsuit seemed to say, um, you know, number one, these, this is part of FIFA rules. Number two, um, we had to include some parties. Uh, initially, because uh, uh, of certain 
legalities that needed to be triggered. Um, but those, but some of those parties might be eventually uh, let out of the suit. But uh, I think it was just important in the beginning, probably for all of them, to be included so that uh, it would trigger some certain things that need to be done to move the case forward. Right. Uh, so what are you? You mentioned earlier that you had about eight or nine items on the list. Let's let's go through some of those other items. Tell, tell us about some of those other items. Sure. Actually, if you have the list in front of you, <laughs> I don't at the moment, <laughs> and I don't. Well, I've, I can't remember them off the top of my head. But if you want to start. Well, I've got your, I've got both your Facebook page and your, your website up. Uh, let me scroll back up here to the top of the Facebook page under about. Yeah, I think it's on the Facebook page, maybe two or three or four posts down. Um, if you're looking at the U, United States um, Association Football Federation, which that that's. Uh, what we've named the potential federation um, should things get to that uh, get to that level. Uh, and then the the real project we're working on right now is called the United States Association Football Congress, where we want to get uh, representatives of people from every state and region to get involved, so that we can get the kind of feedback that we need to present a well-rounded uh, and representative. Uh, list of issues and proposals of what needs to be done for American soccer. Okay, so number one, ensure all organized soccer at every level follows FIFA rules as much as possible. Right. right. Um, and that's that's something obviously we we somehow have all these exemptions from from FIFA rules, which and I think that's hampering our development. It's one of the reasons our men's team seems to be stuck in thirty third place. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and and if we're exempt from those rules, uh, I think the next question is why are we exempt from these rules? And uh, you know that's nothing that's ever been completely discussed or or explained by anybody at the federation. And uh, I mean, but I yeah, I mean we're number thirty three in the world if you want to use that uh, ranking, but we're certainly not number one, and we're certainly not the top ten or even top twenty. Um, so, and we're not going the right direction. Why wouldn't we want to follow an outline that gets that is already proven successful? Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, you list an open development and professional system for players and clubs that promotes and rewards sporting merit as the top priority. I think that a lot of the play, the people that are running U.S. soccer have experience in other professional sports in America that, of course, exist in their own little bubble. They don't exist on a global market the way soccer does. So they see the business end of it and they don't see that they have competitors in the rest of the world that are doing it better. So they have to make those adjustments. They just see the way the NFL does it or the way the NBA does it, which is fine for them because they don't have any competition. They don't have to to exist in the world marketplace. Um, So open development professional system, uh, there have been a lot of plans floated out there about promotion and relegation, about, you know, the size of the country is, is, is prohibitively expensive, especially at the lower division. Uh, you know, the Atlanta Silverbacks are about to enter the NPSL playoffs. And if they make it all the way up to the national semifinals, there's going to be some serious traveling. They could have to go all the way across the country and a little right. club like the Silverbacks, that's going to be a major, major financial hurdle. And I I'm, honestly don't have any idea how they're going to overcome 
that hurdle should they reach there because they're not getting financial rewards enough financial rewards as they go through the playoffs to be able to afford to do that the league can't subsidize their travel uh, none of that's going to happen so i've seen a lot of pyramids that divide the country at the lower levels to try to try to eliminate some of those major travel costs uh, what else uh, about a professional system that rewards sporting merit uh, do you think we should be looking for hmm, good question um that was taken that uh, sporting merit term was taken directly from uh, the FIFA uh, bylaws where where it refers to um, why promotion and relegation should be uh, should be used in, in any soccer system um, and you know again this is an instance where uh, it's been proven successful in so many other places uh, you know, why should we be exempt from that? Why should we uh, not follow uh, a similar path and be hopefully just as successful as many of the of the bigger or the better countries, uh, so better soccer countries? And um, you know, they they've already figured out systems where all along the way, uh, depending what level you're at. Uh, you're, you're provided if you if you win and you are promoted, then you're provided a certain monetary um, uh, reward that mm-hmm. helps you transition into the next uh, into the next level. And then if you if you're not um, you know you're not providing uh, a, a good enough team, then you're relegated, and you're still provided somewhat in many cases uh, uh, a financial parachute. To help you, uh, um, hopefully, uh, 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 provide a competitive team at that level, and maybe win your way back up. So, I, I mean, it's a system that's that's used in many different places, and the financial uh, capacity of teams to move up or 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 get relegated has been proven. And um, you know, there is a certain amount of again, all, all these issues kind of dovetail, and it helps promote um, ownership, whether it's uh, private ownership, private ownership, or public ownership through uh, the fans. That is well organized and well funded. And if you uh, if you show that you you can do those things, then chances are you're going to have a strong team, and you'll you'll move up through the ranks. And 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 each move uh, will be financially lucrative. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to number three, because I think this allows us to do a little segue into another group that you're involved with. Number three list, ensure fans have and know how to achieve a path to partial or full fan ownership of their club or team at all levels. I'm a, a member of the uh, ASFC Trust, so uh, we are looking at purchasing part, a portion of our club and helping uh, run it, help invest in it, help attract investment and such. Tell us a little bit about uh, what this USAF USAFF, that's a little awkward to say, uh, can do with that. And uh, also to your uh, FO alliance that we've talked about. Sure, absolutely. Um, So initially, this is, uh, uh, I've been involved with, uh, I guess, kind of a movement, and it's included uh, Atlanta um, Silverbacks as well as um, the, I'm trying to think of the other team, San Francisco. City, excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. 
for a short while uh, the possibility of there being a fan-owned team in Chicago. Uh, we had the Sting Trust involved. Um, and we, we tried to get um, uh, Tennessee uh, with the Nashville FC um, yeah. involved. And it was interesting because they were, they were kind of tentative and weren't providing a lot of information, even though they seemed like a really good case study. And then now we've we've just found out probably why they were tentative and and not yep. such the best uh, example as as uh, I still don't understand all of what happened there, but it went from a fan owned uh, team and now it is privately owned and they will be in the USL. Um, so uh, there's not a lot of information for people in the United States who want to either create. Uh, or make their club a fan-owned club, uh, whether it's partially or fully fan-owned. Um, so you have to depend a lot on um, information that you can use outside of the United States, which it typically isn't directly applicable to the United States. Um, so we have worked with um, Supporters Direct, which is a big, uh, a big organization in Europe, as well as with uh, Fanbox. On, on understanding and uh, providing information on how clubs can be fan-owned. And, of course, the best examples are the ones right here in the United States. So right now, San Francisco City FC is probably the best example of what can be accomplished with fan ownership. And they're currently in the, um, I think, the P USL PDL, and um, they are they, – they adopted a, a – a fan ownership model similar to those in Germany where all the teams must be 50% plus one owned by fans. And what that ensures is that uh, private interest doesn't uh, get perhaps a little too greedy or a little too caught up in the marketing or, or promoting or selling of the club and that the club always belongs to the people and the fans who really pay for the club. So, to me, fan ownership is a, is a huge deal. Uh, a lot of people don't understand it. So, when people don't understand things, they either respond uh, angrily or uh, they just dismiss it out of hand because they just don't know enough about it. So, one of our, so one of our big uh, tasks is to understand it even better ourselves and then uh, provide that understanding to to everyone else so that they can make decisions about whether that's something they want to pursue. Mm -hmm. All right. Very good. Very good. Lots of good stuff here. So tell us, uh, somebody listening to the podcast, how can they get involved? Um, contact us on uh, email or via the website. Um, I think we have a, a sign up directly on the website and, um, we can uh, we can just get you involved on many different levels, and right now a lot of it is just reaching out to other people and trying to understand what the issues are, the biggest issues are, and that that are most important to the people and the fans out there. All right, very good. Well, thank you so much for your time, Christian. Do appreciate you giving up a little time here on your Sunday afternoon to have a conversation about this. I uh, look well, forward to seeing you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, certainly appreciate it as well, Paul. Um, you know, I think these are things that are only going to become more important to, to soccer fans. So 
hopefully we can start addressing them sooner rather than later before it's too late. Well, I think I think we're already taking some pretty important steps in, in addressing those now. Uh, Got to get some national media attention, which I think we're starting to get. I think the stuff with Jason Whitlock and uh, what's yeah. that guy's name? Coward, yeah, that, Tom Coward that, recently. That's an important issue as well. I don't think that there's necessarily a lot that uh, the current Soccer Federation can do about that, but there's some really unfortunate under or, or under reporting or, or not reporting at all on the issues in soccer and uh, yet to be determined exactly why that's the case. But I'm sure a lot of us have similar suspicions. Well, I, my, my suspicions are, excuse me, my suspicions are that it's, it's like media anywhere. You don't want to report something that's bad because you might lose access to that person to be able to report the other good things. I see that all the time and, and, you know, like the major news networks that they'll cozy up to some dictators or, and they won't report the bad things because they want to maintain their access. Although what's the point of having access if you're not really going to report on them? I see media all the time that don't, don't, don't hold the people yeah. to task like they're supposed to, which is kind of how our country was set up, but that's another topic for another day. So yeah. I agree. That could be a long one. It would be great to hear you, you get some of the the bigger soccer media on your uh, podcast and maybe put them on the spot as to uh, why things are or are not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would I would love to have the opportunity to do that. I don't know that my little old podcast would attract the likes <laughs> of Grant Wall or Alexi Lawless or somebody like that, but uh, you never know. never know. I've had some, well, had some names on listen, here. Uh, Eric Winalda coached your team, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, uh, Eric Winalda is a very—he's he, a very outspoken person and very passionate person. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, he would be a great resource that I would think would be happy to be on your show, and and you know, you could get some very good traction probably on on some of the things that he has to add. Uh, Unfortunately, he's turned down opportunities multiple times. I've, I've even asked him some very specific topics and said, this is the only thing we're going to talk about. Like a, a couple of months ago, we talked about our, our U.S. Open Cup match against Colorado when he was the manager, the one that had seven red cards and a 45-minute delay for weather. And He didn't even want to come on and talk about that. Um, I, I sometimes wonder if he has some pretty serious restrictions about who he can talk to from, from Fox Soccer, from Sirius XM, from from all those so i don't know i'll Um, keep trying on him yeah uh yeah yeah he's a great he's a great resource (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm a nice guy yeah so sorry but i do appreciate your time and we hope to see you around soon and we'll see you on twitter sounds great paul i'll see you there thanks Bye. bye So that was Christian Frannick of the UNES Association Football Federation and also of the Fan Ownership Alliance. You can find him on Twitter a couple different places, at USASSOCFC, that's the U.S. Association Football, uh, that is their Twitter handle. The Fan Ownership Alliance Twitter handle, at FO Alliance, and that is a group of people working to develop fan ownership at every level here in the United States.
So that's a wrap on episode 7. We have spent some time talking about the regular season, went through all 10 of the regular season matchups, talked a little bit about our scores, talked a little bit about what's been going on, got you caught up to date on the table. The playoffs begin Thursday. As I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, the club is scrambling to find a place to play on Thursday night. I'm sure you know why we can't play at home on Thursday night. And I'm sure it's as frustrating to you as it is to us. But the club is working hard to try to find us a place so that they don't have to play the match on Thursday afternoon at 3.30. That would be uh, not only unbearably hot, but most of us are at work. So want to make sure we can get out Thursday night and support our Silverbacks as they start the march of the playoffs all the way to the August championship game of the NPSL. Hopefully we can uh, have a chance to get some trophies, get some more hardware in here. That would be great. But we can't do without your support. We need you there. There's a possibility that on Saturday, July 9th, should Tobacco Road upset the mutiny, that they will be coming to Silverbacks Park for the second round for the South Atlantic championship game. That's the second round of the, of the playoffs for us. Give us an opportunity to go on and play the Sunshine Conference champion so make sure you're getting out silverbacks park paying attention to the twitter account at atl silverbacks of course i'll be retweeting out just about everything necessary about the matches at atl gorilla talk you can follow us also at asfc trust find out more about the trust information going on there we got some exciting news coming up about that here pretty soon so make sure you are paying attention to that Hope to see you soon at Silverbacks Park. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Paul Scanling. I'm the host, executive producer. I also make the coffee around here. So get yourselves out there and support our Silverbacks. Oh,